it's a tough business. Sure. Having a positive attitude throughout all the difficulties is something that you need to maintain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really just building those relationships and not looking at it with what's in it for me today. Right. So many people focus on the deal right now in front of them. You need to look at this is a relationship you and I are building right now that in five years from now, who knows where that's going to lead us. And that's what I need to be focused on now, not the deal I'm working on that I'm wanting you to sign. Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. everybody. Andrew Roberts here, the host of the Young Wild Financially Free Podcast. My co-host Matthew Tyke could not join me today for this intro, but I think I can handle it on my own. Today's podcast is a good one to say the least. We had an awesome guest, Mr. Trey Bates, who coincidentally on the day we recorded this podcast was announced that he is the new VP of Governmental Affairs for the Texas the Texas Realtors Association. A little bit of a tongue twister there for you. Anyways, this podcast was awesome. This dude, he has a great story and he has just such a big heart and is such a kind guy. Um, this podcast was the first time that I had met Trey and, you know, for lack of a better word, I just fell in love with the dude. He is awesome. He's a great guy and has a great story and has a lot of good advice for young realtors, young entrepreneurs. Um, and it's just awesome to, to learn these lessons from him. So, uh, we are, you know, in debt to Mr. Trey Bates and really appreciate him coming through the podcast studio. This podcast was provided by uh, Texas Best Credit Repair. We really appreciate them and, and all they do for us. And if you guys need any help with your credit, please go to TexasBestCreditRepair.com. Again, Mr. Trey Bates, thanks, buddy. Can't wait to dive into your story again. Without further ado, Mr. Trey Bates. How you doing? Doing great. Good. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Thanks for Thank coming. You. Appreciate it. So what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of dive into your story, learn about you, and kind of learn what you're doing present day, um, and we'll let our audience know that. Maybe any advice along the way or failures or anything like that, so we'll see. Okay. So um, I guess let's start from the beginning. Where are you from originally? Originally from Corpus Christi, Texas. Oh, cool. Born and raised? Born and raised. Oh, uh, right. Stayed there uh, you know, throughout high school and then went off to school. Uh, went to uh, college at TCU. Okay. Stayed in that market for about 13 years after I graduated. Uh, worked with uh, a bunch of commercial real estate firms there. Okay. Uh, back up a little bit. My family uh, is a uh, commercial real estate family in Corpus Christi. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So I'm a third generation broker awesome. and uh, in the commercial field. And both the, my my dad and grandfather are big big personalities in the real estate business and sure. have always been great mentors to me. And my entire life growing up, I always knew that I would be in real estate because I loved what they did. Okay. I loved their lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, I just, I knew going out of, actually before I graduated high school, I knew what I wanted to do for my life. Yeah. I went to TCU. They have a finance degree with a concentration in real estate. Bam. That's where I went, stayed the whole time. Most people changed their majors, not right. me. Yeah. I was lined up there. And a year before I graduated, I started working for a brokerage company okay. and get my feet wet and uh, started my brokerage uh, business before I even finished college. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very rare. Like, I mean, like you said, most everybody changes their, changes their degrees within that four or five years that they're in college. Um, were you an only child? No. I'm okay. the oldest of three. Okay. 
And all boys, girls, boys. I have a brother that's about 14 months younger and then a sister about nine years later. Okay. So. Gotcha. A little bit of a mix. Yeah. Great. Did they decide to, to join the commercial real estate world too or no? No, they all went their separate ways. Okay. My cool. brother's in aviation and my sister uh, was a teacher and then now she's a stay-at-home mom with three daughters. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so what about it, I guess, when you were growing up, um, seeing your, your dad and your granddad, um, working in commercial real estate. Did they ever take you to the office? Like, how did that work? What sparked your interest in that? I think we were always going to the office, riding in the car, look, putting up signs. It was always something real estate related. You know, once you get into the business, it becomes your everyday. Sure. And everything we did was real estate related. So it was, oh, we're not just going to go from A to B if we had to go somewhere. We had to go a circuitous route mm-hmm. to go look at something <laughs> on the way. All right, yeah. Uh, that was just how we lived. And, you know, we always gave my dad a hard time because his driving skills were terrible. Yeah. He, he would pop a curb and just drive <laughs> up one. And we'd be freaking out <laughs> right. going, why are you doing this, Dad? And he goes, Dad. He goes, kids, I have a real estate license. This is okay. <laughs> so that, That's so yeah, true, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember, and I specifically remember more so on commercial real estate because I did it for three years at a company called Edge, and like it's just a different world where you're like trying to write down numbers because there's not a big MLS and you're right. looking back and you're on the highway and so it's so true. Like you're just used to that with commercial brokers. Mm-hmm. So many flats, uh, oh, all yeah. kinds of things happen when you're doing crazy driving like that, but. Now my wife gives me a hard time about my driving, and I go, I learned this from my dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's ingrained. Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, So when you, uh, I guess, uh, started real estate, you said before you graduated college. So I guess you started that in Fort Worth. Yes. So while I was in Fort Worth, finishing up my senior year or the beginning of my senior year, found a great company that really had great relationships with uh, TCU grads and offered an internship. And the first six months of that time frame, I was an intern for Huff Browse, McDowell, and Montese, which uh, has since become something else And uh, as those guys have done different things. But that was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in my business, professional, office environment kind of setting. Sure. Uh, great people, high energy, uh, really hard drivers, and uh, really pushed us. And I was just a kid. And getting in the business and trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. And so they assigned me to one of the top brokers as my mentor uh-huh. and uh, helped me kind of just start. I was kind of his gopher sure. when it starts out. But yeah. you really learn a lot as you're going through that process. So yeah. I highly recommend anybody looking at getting the business, especially when they're young, trying to figure out what their career path would be. Mm-hmm. Just try that for a little while. You don't get paid a lot, but it's certainly worth the uh, the lessons you learn and how you pick up snippets about the business before you totally dive in because it was an eye opener to me about all kinds of stuff the possibilities of what this career could be mm-hmm. and had a great time doing it uh, uh, it was a very uh, collegial environment we had a lot of fun together we worked hard we played hard sure yeah uh, uh, we stayed up late at the office till midnight that you know we would just if a project had to get done, we did it. And so we had a fun time doing it. That's yeah. awesome. Very cool. What, yeah. Was it always commercial real estate? It was always commercial. Yeah. Uh, until later, I uh, my wife has a residential background. Okay. And uh, she's had her license since the mid-90s. And, uh, and so she said, you know, I'm thinking we ought to 
put a, a boutique group together. Mm-hmm. And so in the last number of years, we've had a residential real estate boutique firm that a small group of agents, only three or four uh, at the max, gotcha. that focused on more higher-end uh, luxury-type homes and sure. things like that. So, And w- with the commercial real estate side, is it always or has it always been being a broker uh, or was it being an investor and a broker, or what's kind of the? I pretty much stayed on the brokerage side okay. all the time. Got it. I've, obviously, I always I had some other deals I did on my personal level, but it's never uh, mixing the two. So I stayed really on the brokerage. So that side. was like the the bigger focus is mm-hmm. like just be great at brokerage. Exactly. Right. I focused on serving all my clients, and that's that was exactly what I did. And most of them investors just looking for commercial real estate that that will bring back a return. It was a good mix. Uh-huh. Uh, a number of investors, but also worked with a lot of different companies. Mm-hmm. So when I started in the Dallas-Fort Worth market, big market, a lot of corporate clients. Uh, so started working with groups like Lockheed Martin and uh, various hotel groups and worked for Texas Commerce Bank when it used to exist, I'm doing their site selection, mm-hmm. um, various things like that. So I started out in retail and, uh, and, and then migrated a little bit more towards office. Started working with a lot of office clients, okay, and uh, doing uh, tenant representation and also some project representation to project leasing, yeah. And uh, and then after about five years or so, I uh, I got a call mm-hmm. and uh, a, a, someone I worked with in the past at Browse McDowell Montes. He said, "Hey, he he had left, worked for the biggest." Hotel, I mean, not hotel, I'm sorry, the biggest healthcare uh, group in the Fort Worth market. Okay. It's called Harris Methodist Healthcare. Okay. And they'd just done a merger with uh, Presbyterian of Dallas and Baylor was going to be one of those deals. And it became Texas Health Resources. Okay. So they needed someone to handle the Dallas real estate. So they recruited me to come over, take over all the Dallas real estate, which include all the hospital properties, you know, St. Paul Medical Center where JFK... uh, Went uh, Presby uh, and and some of those other properties. Baylor was kind of a considered partner at that time, so yeah. I was helping with a bunch of those properties. Not only the big hotels, but also the big uh, the acute care centers, uh, the off the mobile office buildings, the medical office buildings, kind of off site from the major uh, campuses. Sure. And so I was responsible for all the relationships with the doctors and those office spaces and making sure they stayed leased up. Yeah. And at the same time, working with the uh, the hospital uh, and their leadership and trying to make sure all Interesting. that was tied together. Is it kind of like an asset manager type role? Is that what you call that? Yeah. It we, we weren't buying and selling a lot of properties. We were developing new mobile, uh, new medical office buildings and mm-hmm. acute care centers. So mm-hmm. But it was really mostly handling the the relationship with the hospital and the doctors and the tenants, mm-hmm. to handling all the construction projects that involved in all those things. Got it. Uh, it was it was a big job, and I would say probably that first year, I probably did close to a hundred leases. Okay. Um, in a real quick order. All right. Uh, and then, well, the funny thing about it is that timing of when all that was going on was. The uh, industry had had a huge shift. Yeah. The IRS had changed how you can do um, how not for not for profits could operate. Sure. Yeah. So if you could think about back in the day, a hospital administrator would give a doctor a really good office deal uh, if you used my hospital. Uh huh. Right. And so they would bring great doctors in. They would use their hospital facilities, and it was a great partnership. Uh huh. 
uh, and they had a good office space. Yeah. But um, IRS said, nope, time out. This has to be an arm's length transaction. It has to be full market rents. Okay. And then whatever services you offer have to be attractive too. Yeah. So I had to be the bad guy to walk in there and go, oh, man. you know what? Your rents are actually about half what they should be. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, you're going to have to pay for all these tenant finishes. And they're not 25 bucks a foot. They're 100 bucks a foot. Oh, boy. And so that was a hard conversation to have with some oh, of these guys. Sure. And they'd just gone through a period of when it was a great idea a few years before that for all these partners to get into, all these doctors to get into partnerships. Uh-huh. And the partnership scheme was, we're going to create this partnership. I'm going to get more time off. Yeah. And we're all going to get more time off, but we're all going to work together and we're going to make more money. Uh Well, that kind of cratered. And so they were like scared of doing any kind of contract or anything like that. So the environment of raising rents and all that stuff, much less having to sign any long-term commitment, was a tough place to be. What what time was that? Yeah, what year? This would be, I would say, late 90s. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, 98, 99, roughly. Sure. Yeah. So that was an interesting time frame. Yeah. And so it was a challenge being the guy to walk in there. So I couldn't just send him a lease or walk over, drop off the lease here, sign it. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll go over and review the basic deal points. Right. It was, I got to go over every paragraph. Yeah. And mm. they wanted to understand everything because it was uh, not something they were comfortable with doing after they'd just gotten hit financially on these partnership deals, much less changing their world on their rent structure. Right, yeah. So it was a, it was a fun time. And, <laughs> and and I looked at that, and they all only wanted to do one-year terms. Okay. So I could, I'd could i have to see them again next year. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. So fortunately, a headhunter called me. Okay. And uh, said, hey, would you like to come work for this Chicago-based firm that owns all these office buildings in the, in the, in the Sun Belt uh-huh. and uh, work with them and handle their, uh, be a general manager, handle the leasing and construction? And I said, Hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, anything to get me out of here. Right. Yeah. So that was an interesting uh, opportunity, uh-huh. and the timing was right because I was sitting there going, "Man, this is not as much fun as I thought it was going to be doing this hospital deal." Right. Yeah. And uh, anyway, these guys came along. It's CMD Realty Investors. They're based out of Chicago, okay. and uh, we uh, handled about two million square feet of Class A office space throughout the Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, Las Colinas market, and I was responsible for about. Mm, Almost about a million square feet of that space. Oh, wow. And so, and I was the one spread because I'd had the experience in Fort Worth and Tarrant County to be the West Fort Worth, Arlington, Las Colinas, Stimmons Corridor, all those properties, and build relationships with all those uh, brokers in the market there and try to say, hey, if you have a tenant, come to our building. Right. And so I built built relationships with all those guys and made sure that we had really easy, uh, timely commission structures and made sure we took care of the brokers and mm. bring your bring your tenants kind of conversation. It was a fun marketing time frame and uh, of what we could do. And uh-huh. I had a great experience. And it was, That's awesome. And every quarter I had to go to Chicago to do quarterly reports and experience the different seasons of Chicago. Sure. Yeah. And so that was kind of a fun experience too. That's awesome. So uh, um, building those relationships, did that come easy to you? Like when you were a kid, were you, do you think you were pretty introverted or extroverted? I would say most of the time I was pretty extroverted. I always kind of worked with a big group of friends. I, I played football. I always had an, a lot of friends that we had a lot of fun, but I always had my tight friends, but sure. there's always a big group of friends. I gotcha, yeah. That's well, a good point that you touched on that yeah. because 
I'm personally like a huge believer in, in relationships in the business. And I saw that like three years ago. And so I just started just trying to build every relationship I could, add value for people, connect people. And so I'm curious like how you view relationships and long-term relationships. And I just feel like it's like almost 80% of the real estate business, the more that I like dig in about it. Uh, I would argue it's probably 100%. Because oh, wow. it's relationship. Yeah. If, you, if you don't have the relationship and people aren't comfortable working with you and they don't trust you, uh-huh. then you're pretty much dead in the water. Sure. Did you it, learn that from your dad and your granddad, or is that something that you kind of learned along you know, the way? I think way? I observed a lot of that sure. and, and kind of mimicked some of that from them. Because I'll tell a quick story about my dad that I, I love about him because he was one of those guys that was a big figure in the community. Uh, people loved and respected him yeah. and came to him for advice. So I remember one time, and I think I was in college, and I just came home to visit. And so, like you said, how did you – you ended up doing these rides and going to the office yeah. and spending time with your dad or grandfather. But right. with my dad, I would just sit in his office half the time and hear him deal with his clients, uh-huh. hear people come by and come through the office and visit with them, and it was always great to meet all of them as well. And uh, the – the, the fun story about it is I just sat there one time and observed people coming through. Uh-huh. And there were community leaders bringing people through, coming to him for advice. What do you think about this? If we did this, could we get this done? Or could you help us? Yeah. Or candidates for office coming through. And it was kind of one of those deals like, if you didn't go see Bill Bates, then you probably were going to have a, tr- a hard time in your campaign if you didn't get his blessing. Wow. And so it was kind of one of those deals. And I was just watching this. And I was going, wow, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. And I asked my dad after one of those meetings, I said, and I just kind of learned about Godfather and kind of had gotten into that. And I said, are you like the Godfather dad? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no, not at all. But he, he was just like, you know, what happened is a lot of people realized that he had a broad network uh-huh. of friendships. And everyone, the great thing about my dad, which I... I really wish I could be as good as he was, is he always made everyone feel like they were his friend. Mm. And on top of that, they all felt like they were his best friend. Oh, yeah. And that was a great quality to have, to be able to make people feel that way about you. And Mm. so he was really good at that. Uh, Not that he intended to try to do that, but that was just how he... How he was. He was just always positive, always happy, always with a smile on his face, always had a great story. Yeah. And people just gravitated to him. And I think that helped him be as successful as he was because he could, he had that kind of a personality people enjoyed being around. Sure. And he loved people and he loved building those relationships and getting to know them. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And the success, you know, of his business was just like a, a byproduct right. of that. It was. Yeah. And, and so I learned about, it's not about the deal always. It's about the relationship and the journey and the path and... And the friends you pick up along the way, because his clients were all his best friends oh, wow. that he loved spending time with outside of work. Right, so, right. yeah, it's That's fascinating. Awesome. And and for me personally, like I I'm, I feel the same way. Like I'm trying to do that exact same thing. Like I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't start doing it whenever you need it, right? You've got to just start doing it because it takes time to build the relationships and get to know people. So. To me, for like, like one of the biggest pieces of advice is like go meet everybody and, and do right by them and just be a good person. Um, you know, banking relationships, like try to get them set up before you find the deal. True. You know what I mean? That's right. I, I tell new people coming into the business, I say, guys, you know what? This is not an easy business. Mm-hmm. You have to be committed. 
and it's going to take time. Yeah. And it's easily six to 12 months before you get your first real deal, right. unless you get handed one. I've seen that happen before where some people get really lucky, but the, the most people go through a path of they've got to rigorously build the relationships, build the network, and build the trust because especially as a new person, people look at you and go, are you gonna, can I trust my deal with you? And right. so it takes a while to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I got a good question about commercial real estate that I experienced myself sure. and I've heard people say the same thing. And it was when, when I was first becoming a broke commercial real estate broker, you know, I was tasked with like calling on the signs, getting all the information. Nobody would ever call me back. And it's that's like a real thing in the business. And, and I hear from people that aren't brokers, you know, I can never get anyone to call me back. And for me, it took a year and a half. And then people knew who I was. And then they took my calls. And I, I could never figure out, because I'm not like that at all. And I my only theory is like they're just too busy and they get a lot of people calling them that have, you know, they want to put like something that makes no sense in this building. And they probably know that. And do you have, do you know what I'm talking about? And do you have any theories on like why it is that way? I probably have a few theories on that. Um, and yes, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And that's a frustration that the consumers, the public has with real estate people in general, and especially commercial real estate, because there's so little information out there available right. about commercial real estate, because you either have to pay a subscription for a very expensive service to be able to have access to that, or hope it's in the MLS and being distributed that way, which it typically is not. Right. So there's very little information out there, so people really only can get that information through the brokers. Yeah. yeah. And so the challenge there is, I believe here's a theory. Why brokers are so have such lack of responses? They get hit with so many wasted inquiries. That's what I was thinking. Inquiries that really go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, if we spent all of our time focusing on everything all the time, then we really have to learn to focus our energies and, and try to be as productive as possible. Because it's really like. 10 or 20% of the people you talk to are going to end up making a deal with you. And so that's really the challenge. And I think that's why they get kind of callous sometimes Mm. and just kind of say, you know, I'm not going to answer all these calls. But if they really want to know, they'll They'll they'll, they'll be persistent. That makes sense. And it's a real deal then. So that's not a good excuse. I think that's terrible customer service. I think we should do a lot better job of that. And that's certainly an area we can do a better job as a profession because – we should, if you think about it, we're serving our, our clients. Yeah. yeah. And we need to do as good a job as we can making sure that their property information gets out there so that we can find that deal faster. Right. And I look at real estate on this end of the spectrum and the stock market on this end of the spectrum. Stock market's a very fluid deal. You can buy and sell like that. Mm. But on real estate, it's hard. It takes time. You have to go through all these hurdles. Right. And the closer we can move it towards a stock market type transaction to make it more fluid where you can convert something to cash in a faster way, the better for the industry, the better for our clients. So makes sense. Yeah, and, and every real estate broker is different, right? So there are plenty that get back, but it is kind of a general theme that I've experienced. And it was so frustrating. I have like twenty properties to call on. And I only get answers on five. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, we need this tomorrow. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Well, that kind of goes to the 80-20 rule. Yeah. 20% of those guys that you were calling yeah. were probably the successful ones. Yeah. yeah. The 80% were the ones that not good, calling you back. That's a good point. Probably didn't do so well. That's a great point. Yeah, because my boss, Jeff Townsend at, at Edge, I mean, he's one of the, in my opinion, best retail brokers in Austin. And he called everybody back 
all the time. Yeah. And those he's, are the ones he's that, twice as busy as anybody else, yeah. you know. They do well. Yeah. yeah. Those are the ones that do well. Right. I listened to this podcast recently um, about, there was an interview with an author who came out with a book recently that he came up with this theory, or I guess this concept that in the world there's givers, there's takers, and then there's mediators in the middle. And uh, the goal is, I guess, to become like a giver. And like how, when you evaluate yourself, you'd probably say like, yeah, I guess I, you know, I'd like to give, but you know, what's the, I guess, the true core behind that? And in reference or I guess to what we're talking about now is like with these new relationships with you know commercial real estate, I think probably in the beginning people don't know that you're a giver even if you are. They're probably mm, that's a good point. on guard a little bit about like what's this guy gonna take from me. Um, yeah. And so I guess the, the persistence after the year and a half that you were putting in the work, people actually saw, okay, he's a giver. Yeah. Um, and so that relationship is going to be That's good. a good point. And I get a question yeah. just in advice in general because literally I just try to meet people, right? And I think thinking of what you're saying, like a lot of people just like, I have, I have no interest in meeting with you. And I'm so confident in the back of my mind that there are ways that I can help this person out and there are things that we can do together. Uh, but they don't. They just they're shutting me off at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't. I don't know if it's just those. Are, that's just how some people are. It's a small percentage, and you move on. Or do you, is there a better approach? You know, because right. right. I, I I reach out to people cold, right? And they're like, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "Let me just buy you lunch. Let me just buy you coffee. And see if I can help you out." Yeah. And nine times out of ten, I'm like connecting them with somebody or, or adding value some possible way. Right. Yeah. But they don't know that in the beginning. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. T- I mean, have you ha- have you had a big push towards reaching out to new people um, and got any negativity, or what's your theory Yeah, on that's that? a challenge in our business. Any, all the time, we're always trying to build relationships and reach out and, and expand that sphere of influence that can help us with our business, much less just help us have uh, a greater, more full life. Mm. Uh, but one of the ways I did that, uh, how I accomplished it, was to be a... a more of it on the giver side of that yeah. is I started getting more involved in the association. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that early on, so like my dad in politics kind of stuff, when I was seven years old, I was holding campaign signs yeah. at polling places. I was walking blocks for That's friends cool. of ours that were running for council. Yeah. And uh, and I got in trouble one time because I was stuffing uh, mailboxes. mailboxes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they, they called the campaign and said, uh, <laughs> you can't do can't that. Do that. Yeah. So I learned early on that you can't do that. Right. But so I learned early on that also that the power of what we do as an association that we're all members of as realtors is – we have a really strong capacity for being involved in the legislative or uh, political process to help help our customers and our consumers better have an environment for the ownership of real estate mm-hmm. so that they can have a good tax environment, they can have a good property owner rights environment where we don't have a burdensome zoning code, we don't have a burdensome fees and permits kind of structure, all of those things play at the local level, at the state level as well, and the federal. And so I saw that as something I was intrigued by, and I love the political side of what we do because it's a great story because no one can say no. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way to start a conversation. It's like, you know, I I spend a lot of my time, my free time, uh, working on your behalf. Right. You know, trying to help make sure that you can have – a less burdensome tax environment so that you can continue to own that property because we don't ever really own property because we always have to pay rent to the government. Sure. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those deals and we have to make sure we have a good relationship with the government so that we can 
make sure that our voices are heard. Yeah. And it's a good environment for you to continue to invest in properties, make money so that you can create more jobs and make the community stronger. Right. So those are all good conversations to have. And so that's a way for me to kind of break some ice on that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's good. I'm uh, reading a book right now on LBJ. It's like this four-part series. Love that. I, I am interested in the political side as well, like super long-term. And it's fascinating, like his route to, to where he got. He I'm was a character, the... wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have you heard of this series by chance? Well, I just was talking to somebody about it uh, yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to start watching that because they were talking about, uh, uh, I guess, the last episode about how interesting it was. And I'm like, I'm, I need to watch that. I haven't, I'm, I'm talking about a book series. I haven't oh, heard of no, that. Oh, no, I haven't talked that. There was an HBO series. I, I need to see that. Yeah, I think so Woody I, Harrelson played him. Right. Really? Yeah. I but I want, I want to see that. And uh, But I've read a lot of autobiographies and or biographies on presidents. I love yeah. reading those. But LBJ was always one that was interesting yeah. to me. You would love this series. I mean, it's a good read. So I have this dream of getting into politics like 20 years from now. Right. And I met a guy that's from Austin who's a lobbyist in Washington. And he's like, read these books and call me back. And I'm like, <laughs> right. So I was like, okay. And then I go look at him like, geez, this is going to take me a year. Yeah. And I'm like halfway through the second one and it's super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, my wife and I Two weekends ago, went to the LBJ Ranch. Just on a whim, on a Sunday afternoon, we said, let's go have lunch in Johnson City. And then we drove out to the ranch and just did the little tour and walked out. I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, hearing his audio recordings from his phone calls that he had. Someone told me about that yesterday. That's at at the actual ranch? You don't have to go to the library. I've been to the LBJ library too, but and out there at the ranch, they have the audio recordings. You pick up the phone and you listen to, push the button. I want to do that so bad. So they have them online. You can, you can just Google oh, it, cool. and you can listen to all those uh, conversations he had with world leaders. Like, and Martin Luther King. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. yeah, Martin Luther King, oh, all these people he talked to, and he yeah. was basically just, he. It, some of them are really funny how he's reading the riot act to some of these people and right. just tearing them down. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was just full frontal on sure. everything, but he was yeah. an interesting character, yeah. certainly a flawed character, but had a lot of interesting things about yeah. him. It's fun to the read bo- about The him. book at the beginning is very negative really? on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like nobody liked him, and they all knew he was kind of sucking up to everyone, but he was just, what I got is he's a master networker. Like, he would yeah. just really stay in touch, and, and he they said he was a professional son. Like, he would just, like, you know, soak everything up and make somebody feel, like, so close to him. And, oh, wow. You know, and he did it with, like, Sam Rayburn, Speaker of the House, and it, right. it's just yeah. fascinating. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so, kind of back to your, your storyline. So, you... Somehow made your way back to Corpus, right? Yeah. So after about five years or so, after thirteen spending 13 years in Dallas-Fort Worth market away from home, uh-huh. uh, I, w- I came to the uh, situation where, okay, I was considering going to grad school. Okay. Just for a nice little fling. Sure. For fun. <laughs> okay. And I was, I was applied to NYU, and I was almost heading that oh, way. Wow. And uh, to get an MBA up there and, and focus on real estate. And I was thinking, well, shoot, this could take me anywhere. I'd probably end up in New York somewhere yeah. or whatever. So I was just kind of just seeing wherever the world could take me on that, thinking it would be a fun challenge. Dallas Business Journal published their heavy hitters list. Mm-hmm. And Trey Bates was on that list. And so was that... that feeling? Uh, yeah, it was. It was nice. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. What was really cool was no one knew who Bates was okay. in Dallas-Fort Worth. Right. Now, at home in Corpus, yeah, that meant a lot in the real estate world. 
there it meant nothing. So for me to be published as a heavy hitter in the Dallas Business Journal kind of struck me as, you know what? My dad and I are always super close, and we always wanted to work together. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this is the moment. So I grabbed a copy of that, loaded up my U-Haul, drove down to Corpus Christi, walked into my dad and grandfather's office, walked in my dad's office, flopped that Dallas Business Journal on his desk and said, all right, I'm back, right. and I'm not getting your damn coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're even. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I went up here, I made my name over here, so I'm not your boy. Right. So, anyway, so That's he awesome. loved it, yeah. they loved it, and was super excited to have the opportunity to work together. And uh, That's cool. The idea was I could go up there, learn how the big boys do it, bring it home, right. and kind of bring some of those tools and lessons back to the firm and and kind of apply that because back in the 70s, my grandfather had the largest real estate firm in Corpus Christi, probably South Texas. He had the biggest commercial firm and residential firm. Wow. Probably trained all the brokers that are in Corpus uh -huh. uh, over the last number of decades to where they are now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was a great legacy. And so I wanted to kind of build back on that. And, uh, and it was a great opportunity for us to be together, and we had a great time. That's awesome. Very cool. Full circle. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, and so at what point in that did you meet your wife? Okay. All right. You got time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I moved back in 2002. Okay. It was May. Uh, so that was when I made the move. Uh -huh. And I had that conversation with my dad. Uh, single then. Uh -huh. uh, came back home. Didn't know what the world was going to have in front of me. And I just kind of was ready to take the challenge. And about... A few months before that, in January, um, my wife's dad, uh, who was from Austin, okay, and Senton, just outside of Corpus Christi, he would go back and forth. His uh, parents were down in the Senton area, and so he'd get, fly back and forth. He became a pilot, mm. and so I was, I'm a pilot too. So we had that in common. All but right. he was flying back and forth, and one of his favorite things to do uh, as a pilot uh, for fun and to 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 give back mm. was miracle flights. And so he would go pick up a child anywhere in Texas. Uh, in this case, it was in Lufkin okay. uh, that needed treatment and took him, flew him to Dallas. Oh wow! Uh, for the day while they did their treatment, and then would fly him back home. That's so awesome. And then That's he was cool. returning home from that flight, and fog rolled in on Sentin, and he had a plane crash and, oh. and perished in the crash. Wow. So my wife was here in Austin. She was working for Austin Music Network. Um, she had a great. She has a great story too, and maybe that's a time for another time. Yeah, but she yeah. Uh, have her on the show. She, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she'd be great. Yeah, uh, but she was. She had a great life. She was doing Austin music. Uh, she had been in the film business. She was in went to Pepperdine on the West Coast. Uh, was in did movies and music there. Did Duran Duran, Michael Jackson stuff. Oh wow! She worked for a London based firm. Uh, had a great experience. Wanted to be back in Texas. She was a Texan that kind of the roots kind of pulled back at her, brought her back home. Sure. In Austin, that happened with her dad. She dropped everything. She said, guys, I'm out. Yeah. I don't know. I might be home in six months. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be, be with my family. Yeah. So she went down to Sinton and around that January time frame. I just moved in the area in May, and I uh, was just having a good time, wanting to hang out with family. Yeah. And... A friend of ours said, hey, there's this girl that's here, mm -hmm. and you might want to meet her. Thank you, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I'm, right. not, I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 
two months of badgering. Seriously, it was it was oh, wow. irritating how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. I finally said, all right, enough's enough. I'm going to call the girl. Don't ever do this again. Yeah. And um, I'm good. Yeah. So I called, I called Jessica, and we had a great conversation. And I looked at my watch, and it was like over the hour mark. Oh, wow. And then I'm going, okay, dating 101, don't act like you're interested. Oh, right. Because they always kind of give you the hand. You got to play hard to get. Yeah, you got to play a little hard to get. And I was just like, an hour on the phone? I go, what are we going to have to talk about at dinner, right? Right, So I was like, I got to cut this off. (laughs) So I cut it off. Yeah. She said I was a little abrupt. Okay. And and I said, all right, we're going to grab dinner Thursday night. We're going to meet neutral territory. We're going to meet, have our own vehicles. We can escape if we have to kind of set up. So that was kind of the deal. (laughs) So we went to this great place and right on the water. Mm -hmm. And uh, I showed up early and I go, all right. So we talked earlier about cold calling people. Right. And you always have to go through the gatekeeper, right? And you call the receptionist or you call the assistant or whatever, and it's hard to get through them, but you always try to kind of play it up and build a relationship. Sure. And there's always this beautiful voice that I hear on the other end of the line. And and I kind of was always used to being disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to be disappointed in this scenario, right? <laughs> I was prepared. Sure, yeah. And so I showed up early. I grabbed a scotch. I go, this is going to be a long night, so I'm just going to hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she walks in the door, and I was like, oh, crap. Oh, man. And uh, she was beautiful lady. Yeah. Uh, we had a great conversation. I was going, oh, my goodness, this is too good to be true. Yeah. And I was like, I got to calm down. And so we had a, a great dinner. Uh, it just was so much fun to be with her and talk to her about stuff. Mm-hmm. And that night, as we kind of separated, she gave me a peck on the cheek, and I was in heaven. Oh, man. That's and awesome. And so it was a couple months of you know, meeting her up and doing a few things. And then after that, it was so easy, uh-huh. so natural. We never had to have that conversation, are we dating? Uh-huh. Because it would, it just, it was. That's awesome. And we were both in our early, mid-30s. Uh-huh. We had experienced life doing all kinds of things, single. And so it was just perfect timing for both of us. And Right. And do you mind if I go a little longer? Keep going. Yeah, no, I love right. it. Yeah. So the cool extension to that was we started dating. We were getting pretty serious. And so we met in July, Mm -hmm. and so we were dating, went through the holidays, and after about her being there six months, so it was kind of like after after this time frame, Mm -hmm. the people in her community started saying, because they loved her family, and they said, would you run for city council? Because we loved your dad, and we love your family. You've been here for more than six months. That gives you quality qualifications as a citizen. Why don't you run for city council? Well, she, she said, what do you think? Yeah. And I said, I'll be your campaign manager. So right. she did it. Uh, I'd like to say that it was all because of my skills as a campaign manager, <laughs> but it had everything to do with her. Sure, And yeah. all we had to do was put up a few signs, and it was kind of a landslide deal. It was oh, easy, awesome. easy election for her. Yeah. And so she was on the council for six years. And, um, but before I get into that part of it, she said she was going to run. Uh-huh. We were putting this campaign together. And as we get closer to the May election, um, it was April, um, I said, hey, let's go grab dinner. And uh, we went back to the same place where we met. Mm-hmm. And we were going to talk. She thought we were talking campaign stuff. And I asked her to marry me. Oh, all right. And she said, 
well, now I don't care if I win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, you're sure, certainly going to win now. Yeah. So uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. That's an awesome And thing. And so she won easily and, and served on the council for six years. The last two years, she was mayor. Okay. Oh, wow. That, we, got, so I, we got engaged in April. We were married by October. Okay. Yeah. So it was pretty quick. Pretty quick, yeah. And so that entire time on her service on the council, she was practically pregnant after that first year or so. Yeah. And uh, so we had three boys. All right. And, uh, and the cool thing is, is the city manager's wife said, hey, let me watch your kids. It's the first one. Sure. Because you and Jackie have to go to all these council meetings and all this stuff, and I'll just watch them. And she had always had uh, uh, experience with uh, daycare center and stuff okay. like that. So she was great with the kids. They grew to love the kids so much that they became our circuit grandparents because she didn't have a dad anymore. Right. So we didn't have a grandfather from that side. Right. Um, and my mom had passed away when I was uh, 22. Oh, wow. She was 48. That's tough. And, uh, and so we were kind of light on the grandparent category. Sure. And they were great to have a part of our family, and the kids started calling them Nanny and Papa. And, oh, man. Yeah. So, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So anyway, we had that was awesome uh, relationship stuff. Then it worked out of how she started out and how we got married and started right. having kids. And, and then ultimately, after her service on council, we ended up moving back to Corpus Christi mm. and yeah. uh, and doing our business there. And while we were in Senton, we also ran a Dairy Queen for seven years. <laughs> okay, cool. So it, interesting. We had, we had a pretty what's interesting. The, uh, what's the famous restaurant that you met at and then proposed at? Is it still there? Uh, yes, it is. Um, uh, now you're going to catch me. It's I, called I, uh, Mickey D's. <laughs> <laughs> is it in Corpus? Yeah. Um, okay, I was just curious because I was there. The original Whataburger. It's not the Landry's <laughs> or the... No, you, oh, this no. is one of those moments where you're like, geez. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, no, no worries. Why am I drawing you'll probably, you'll probably I'm remember. totally mind-blocked right hey, now. You got so... You got Texas. No, 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 no. This is a quaint, small little is it, is it that little food restaurant on the water. About, is it called the the window or something? No, no, no. It's no. hard to get a reservation. They never answer their phone up there. Across, I'm, I'm an across idiot. Across circle. No. I'm an idiot because no, this no, should no, be no, like no, no, buried no. in my mind. You got so much credit. You're at the you're at the one yard line. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to me in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about though. Is the husband and wife own it? It's yeah. right next to a big building. Yep. It's on Ocean Drive. Yep. Small. Yeah, it was right across from my house. I was on Circle Drive. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just down the street from Circle Drive. Yeah, I can't remember. I know exactly. It's, that's a sweet place. It is a sweet place. Yeah, it's small. There's a it little is. balcony in the back. We sat there right on the water, yeah. and you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. And curious. we 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 try to go back to every uh, almost every anniversary to go back to. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! That's so cool. It's cool, man. I I, they're gonna kill me. No, we'll cut all. Why we yeah. edit this out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's all good. This is fun. Uh, but I remember I was trying to go there for years, and they would they just never answered their phone because they're always busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they didn't have a message machine. Yard arm. Yard arm. I said, I said, Wyndham or something. Yard arm. My my brain was frozen. No, that place is the yard arm. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, Okay, so so current day, like, where where are you at, and what what are your goals? Since your wife is from Austin, is that what kind of brought you back? Yes, the ultimate goal was before the kids got into high school, was to be back here Uh and get them into school here, and her mom's still here, her brother's here, and so I kind of pull back. We're family. Is because 
my dad passed away three years after I moved oh, to boy. Corpus Christi. So I only got to be with him for three years. Thank God I made the decision right, to be there. Yeah. And so I got to be with him. So at that point, I had no more family, uh, immediate family there, other than my brother who was in the area. Yeah. And uh, I had cousins and all kinds of stuff, but really the anchor wasn't there. And so she said, uh, she said, let's be back here in Austin mm-hmm. before high school. We can get the kids established in a high school up here. And, uh, and she loves Austin, and yeah. she wanted to be by her mom. And so all those things were kind of dialed into this whole thing. And we'd, right. we'd had like a 10-year plan to be back here a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was just hard to pull the trigger. If you can imagine being in the real estate business trying to relocate. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'd already done that moving from Dallas to Corpus Christi, and that was painful. Right. And it was going into Even a, fr- with your family in a friendly there. environment where people knew me. Yeah. It was difficult to make that transition. Yeah. I did it. I've done it too, three times, like with school. But I remember when I first got my license was a sophomore at in Corpus at A&M. And like you said, my first two years were tough. And then my senior year, I did like pretty well. And I was like, man, if I stayed another year, I'd do twice as good. Right. And then I had, then I moved back here and started all over again. Yeah. It, it yeah. is. It's a tough transition. You have to rebuild that network, rebuild yeah. those uh, friends, and that so people can kind of start sending business your way. Right. It's yeah. a it's yeah. a transition, but we made it in July. Uh-huh. My oldest son is was going into eighth grade this uh, this fall. Okay. And I was like, do or die. It's like we got to rip the bandaid off. It's time to go. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to move them right into high school. Yeah. So I wanted to give them a acclimatization time frame to kind of get into the system. So sure. He got to play football. We were in private school in cool. Corpus Christi, so yeah. we didn't have the this athletic program to, to deal with other than basketball. Right. And so they loved playing basketball, but he really loved playing football. All right. And so yeah. we got to play football, and now he's on the basketball team, and uh, he, they're, they're just loving the, where they are. Uh-huh. And it's really nice when you have – Teenage kids telling you, Dad, I'm so happy we moved. Oh, good. Yeah. And when they say stuff like that, that's not typical teenage conversation. No, no, yeah. You know you did the right thing. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Because that's, I mean, that's a tough age to move. So hearing right. that feedback is like, you know, all yep. the, everything you need to hear. He's a, I've got a lot of friends. All right. We had a class of uh, 10. Uh-huh. Um, that he moved from, and right. now he's got a class of like 400. Right, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. That's awesome. So cool. Um, okay, well, I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up here. But, and so I I guess before we, we close out, um, you know, through your years of experience, um, you know, we might have hit on this in this podcast already, but kind of what is the uh, one thing that you would uh, credit your success to or the one thing that you would, I guess, give advice to a young entrepreneur or a young commercial broker? I think the key, the, the key thing for a successful career, mm-hmm. uh, and we hit on it a little bit, is integrity, honesty, and building and having a very positive attitude. Mm-hmm. It's a tough business. Sure. Having a positive attitude throughout all the difficulties is something that you need to maintain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really just building those relationships and not looking at it with what's in it for me today. Right. So many people focus on the deal right now in front of them, you need to look at, this is a relationship you and I are building right now that in five years from now, who knows where that's going to lead us. And that's what I need to be focused on now, not the deal I'm working on that I'm wanting you to sign. Sure. So that's, if the deal didn't happen, I don't care. Right. And and the thing is, is I am more happy to walk away from a deal Mm -hmm. than press a relationship. Yeah. So remember that part and you'll, you'll have, I think it's, it's a blessing because I look at it that same way. And I find it so weird when people don't look at it like that. Like I've I've gone on the phone with like 
maybe a wholesaler, right? And then, like, I'm, like, 100% willing to just talk and hear what they're doing. And they're, like, oh, this isn't a deal to hang up. I'm, like, man, they totally just missed what, like, really this could have, what we could have got out of this conversation mm-hmm. and yeah. in the long term. Right. You know? Um, I have one more question. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the political side of what you got going on. Any big goals with that? Like, thinking about, you know, state or, or Senate or anything, like... No personal goals to be in politics. Like I said earlier, my dad uh, was always behind the scenes. Right. And I observed that and watched that. And and that's a fun place to be also mm-hmm. uh, because you get to be a part of that and and be an instrumental player in that. And you help kind of guide policy and you talk about issues. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be necessarily the front person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned a lot in politics where... Once you uh, get out there and put your name out there as a politician, run for office or whatever, about half the people hate you. (laughs) So uh, in my business, I've always kind of enjoyed the fact that I can kind of maintain that behind the scenes and everybody can like me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it takes takes a really uh, strong personality to be someone that wants to be in politics, and I applaud them because it's not easy. Yeah. 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 I talked to the guy who has lived in D.C. for four years and, the the picture he painted uh-huh. was I thought I wanted to be in politics and I still think I kind of do but of, of DC and just he said it's a very litigious lawyer like you never know what you're saying or who you're talking to or who's listening and I was like yeah that sounds horrible yeah well we've learned recently that everything's being recorded right right, right. and you have to pay attention to everything you're doing and saying because yeah. you always have to think about you know, what would your mom and your dad say if what, yeah. what you're talking about right now right so just be careful about you know, what you say in, in the public air arena. Mm-hmm. But really the idea is politics is great. Mm-hmm. It it serves a great purpose. Uh, our, you know, we have to be plugged in as much as most people when you ask them they hate politics. Mm-hmm. But you really have to be plugged in whether or not you hate it or love it. Right. Because it's so important to what we do. It impacts all of us. Yeah. So I, I really uh, encourage people to stay involved. Um while I may not want to be necessarily a, a, a candidate, uh-huh. I love being involved in the process. Got it. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Trey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. We've loved I mean, really That's great. this conversation, so uh, we appreciate you a lot. It's been a great time. Thank yeah. you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. And to the listeners, if you guys stuck around this long, thank you uh, for the support. Uh, hit the like button and subscribe. Um, and this podcast is provided by Texas Best Credit Repair. You can visit them at texasbestcreditrepair.com. Uh, Again, Trey, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. See you later.